Welcome to Technovation, a weekly conversation with people who are shaping the technology landscape. I'm Peter High, president of Meta Strategy, advisor to technology executives, Forbes columnist, book author, and your host. Each episode of Technovation features insights from top executives and thought leaders at the intersection of business, technology, and innovation. If you like what you hear, we'd be grateful if you give us a rating on iTunes or through whatever other source you use for podcasts. And please subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Thank you. My guest today is Rhonda Gass. Rhonda is the Chief Information Officer of Stanley Black & Decker, a $14 billion manufacturing company operating in three segments, tools, an industrial business, and security products. As CIO, Rhonda is responsible for technology strategy, delivery, and technology operations for all of the business technology in the company, as well as digital risk management for all areas of technology. In this interview, we discuss why Rhonda formed an enterprise IT organization to consolidate all of IT across the company, and why she's aligned IT to the company's three strategic pillars, financial performance, innovation, and responsibility. We discuss the company's North Star Innovation Model, which has the data platform positioned at the core and four interconnected platforms, as well as ways in which IT's standardization and modernization helped prepare the company for the pandemic. Lastly, we discuss the company's four top priorities once the pandemic hit, Rhonda's path to a public board, her advice to others who wish to do the same, and a variety of other topics. Rhonda Gass, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Thank you, Peter. It's great to be here as well. Excellent. Well, uh, Rhonda, I thought we'd begin with uh, your role and your company. You are the Chief Information Officer of Stanley Black and & Decker, and, and it's a name that most people would know, but nevertheless, it might be nice to have just a thumbnail sketch as to what the business does in your own words. Would you mind taking a quick moment to describe it? Absolutely. I'd be delighted to. Um, but first, it could be a little appropriate for me to set some context for our business. Um, Please. By talking a little bit about our purpose, it's really important to us and that Stanley Black and Decker, we like to say we're for those who make the world and we're for builders, protectors. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that coming up. Makers, explorers, um, for those that are shaping and reshaping the world through hard work. And we provide tools and innovation solutions that people can trust. And I think it's um, really contributed to our longevity. We've been around since 1843, which you may not know. Um, But specifically about our businesses, we are a $14 billion business. We're made up of three segments. Our largest segment is our most well-known, which is our tools and storage business, and it's about $10 billion. And that makes us the largest tool company in the world. Um, We have things in this business like power tools, hand tools, accessories, and storage solutions. Um, We have two other segments, and they're roughly $2 billion businesses each. Our industrial business delivers things like um, engineered fastenings for industrial and automotive customers. We have uh, infrastructure implements of all kinds um, of applications, things like railroads, um, road paving, demolition. Um, So we help you build things and we also help you tear them down. And then we're also in the oil and gas business. Um, We provide services for welding and inspection. Um, for both onshore and offshore. And then we have uh, the security segment and we deliver health and safety solutions there with things like touchless automatic doors, um, contact um, contact tracing solutions and um, security installation and monitoring. So it's a diverse set of fantastic and interesting businesses. So I hope that helps a bit. It oh, does but indeed. I, I, need to, I need to tell you too, uh, we have an incredible portfolio of brands. So as our name would suggest, we're Stanley brands and Black & Decker brands, but we also have DeWalt, uh, Craftsman, 
uh, Irwin, and Linux, uh, to name a few. So great businesses, great brands. I'd imagine most people listening to here have some some tool of yours in a basement or a garage or a workbench of some sorts. <laughs> they have many of them, and we have many more if they would like to uh, <laughs> add. <laughs> well, Rhonda, thank you for that overview. Uh, why don't we move sure. to your, your role as Chief Information Officer? Um, talk a bit about what's within your purview in that role. Okay. Well, as we know, technology um, permeates everything we do, right? And so it's no different at Stanley Black & Decker. And uh, the way we think about it um, is in terms of um, the traditional IT or something, we, we call it business technology. So all of the processes that run the business architecture of the company. But technology is also in um, our commercial offerings and digital products that we offer. We do a lot in our our security business that is a fully digital business. Um, so we call that commercial technology. And so there's BT, business technology, commercial technology, CT. And then technology also encompasses our efforts in our manufacturing environment to connect and automate our machines um, and that operations technology. So it's almost like MOUSE, but it's BT, <laughs> CT, and OT. And that's how we think about it um, in at Stanley Black & Decker. But, um, we do that because our maturity level and our focus levels in all of these different areas is, is, is pretty different. All right. So you asked me about my role with that as, as a backdrop. Um, I lead the technology strategy, delivery, technology operations for all of the business technology in the company. So the, the, the systems that run the $14 billion enterprise. I also lead digital risk management for all areas of technology. We felt that risk was such an important and cybersecurity risk in particular was such an important element that we would consolidate that under one leader across all areas of technology. Um, if I and my team do our jobs well, then we'd like to say we're equipping our businesses with all things digital, all things data, and all things collaboration, the kinds of capabilities that they need to, to win and grow in the marketplace. All good. And I really appreciate the context setting in each of those, which, which offers a lot, uh, a lot more of a backdrop as to why and how you're doing these things as well. Um, you've been in your role for more than eight years now, an unusually long tenure as a CIO, which is a, surely a sign of the great work that you and your team are doing. Uh, and during the course of that time, I know from our past conversations, Rhonda, that you focused on a real cultural transformation of IT. The department you found eight years ago, naturally eight years passing would mean that a lot changes, but even the emphasis and indeed the culture of the organization has changed quite a bit uh, based on some very deliberate changes that you've incorporated into the into the IT organization. Talk a bit about that if you would. Sure, um, that is a great question. And I also think you're pointing out that eight years is a long time, right? You said it in the CIO chair. And yeah. I think what you meant is I've likely seen a lot. Yes, um, yeah, indeed. That is absolutely correct. Um, when I joined the company, we were organized more as a holding company um, with very autonomous business units. And um, they had very independent decision-making on how best to run the P&L and really how best to run their technology stacks. Um and while it was a hugely successful model, drove a lot of shareholder value, but we were also um, not only an autonomous culture, we were also highly acquisitive. In fact, 100 acquisitions in a 10-year time frame. Wow. Now, not all of those uh, were an M&A the size of a, a Black & Decker. And back in 2010, before I joined the company, um, that doubled the size of the company with that one acquisition. Um, but 
the size of an acquisition or the revenue size of the business is not the only indicator of complexity, as I'm sure you know, there are many factors. But suffice it to say that with autonomous decision-making, coupled with a lot of M&A, that when I arrived, there was a lot of complexity, a lot of duplication, and really a lot of cost um, and inefficiency lurking in the IT landscape. Um, my IT organization was equally autonomous. Um, I found the haves and the have-nots. Um, there were businesses that were having a good year. They were investing in IT. And then there were businesses that could be struggling given the diverse portfolio of, of businesses that we, we have. There might be no IT investment or not even in technical debt reduction or life cycle maintenance. Um, so I found duplication of technology. I found multiple contracts um, that were with no cross business unit leverage um, going on. Uh, no sharing of skill sets across divisions um, to get better scale of resources. So as you might um, be reading into this, the first cultural change I made was to form this enterprise IT organization, um, really consolidating all of IT across the company. And there was huge buy-in for it, as you can imagine, once we begin to highlight some of the inefficiencies that were taking place and really some of the limiters to our ability to scale and take that next, next wave of growth. Um, so, my goals were to preserve the culture of business unit closeness because in that former model, you know, IT was tightly integrated with the business and I didn't want to lose that tight integration, but I also wanted to deliver, you know, a lot of scale of the technology and people assets and leverage um, kind of across the whole. So this was a major undertaking, um, stepped into many little holes along the way, but I'm happy to say that, you know, we're, we're fully in this model now after, of course, after eight years. Um, I'd say some of the most important things that, you know, we, we focused on um, was really the opportunity for the team members, um, because no longer were they, you know, being whipsawed by investment cycle ups and downs, because there was a pretty steady overall rate of investment in IT, but they had opportunities as team members to work in different businesses and experience um, a lot of different dynamics as you move from, say, the security business to the oil and gas business. Um, to work on a project or provide some support. And then, I mean, I, I'd also call out that um, it was, uh, you know, clarity of vision that this is what we were going to do and why. Never wavering those types of things and just, um, you know, seeking feedback and communicating all good change management and, and cultural related things. That's wonderful. Thank you for that overview. I, I also know that you and the team have been focused and you alluded to it, in fact, uh, earlier uh, in leveraging advanced technology and innovation um, for, for the purposes of greater levels of effectiveness, as well as greater levels of efficiency within the organization. Um, you know, that, that, that advanced technology and innovation can take a variety of forms. What have been some of the areas of focus for you and your team uh, in those two categories? Yeah, so I mentioned in the in the the previous um, response uh, around just um, just clarity of vision and and staying the course and never wavering. And um, I think it could be helpful here as well to kind of say where innovation fits in overall. Um, we've aligned the IT organization to the strategic imperatives of the company. And um, Jim Lurie, our CEO, talks about the three pillars of of performance which is really financial performance and, and delivering our results in, you know, all day, every day. Um, innovation, which I'm going to get to, and then responsibility, mostly corporate social responsibility is what he talks about at, at that level. So I've aligned the IT um, strategy to those, those pillars. 
Um, the performance area is about driving um, sustained value realization. So think of it as optimizing the how of IT. Um, and here we're pursuing strategic technology partnerships um, for more effective service delivery. Um, we're also looking at things like TBM, which you and I have talked about before in the past, or technology business management. And that really allows our stakeholders to make much more informed digital technology investment decisions when we give them insights about their consumption and their total cost of ownership. So that's kind of what we're doing in the performance area. I'm getting to innovation, I promise. But in the <laughs> responsibility pillar, we think, you know, I talked about our digital risk management. Um, we're trying to ensure that all digital technology in the company, the BTCT and OT, um, that it's cyber secure. And that brings me then to innovation and the alignment with the company there. And, and our company thinks about innovation and innovation everywhere and our products and our the way we operate um, um, and, 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 you know, innovation around um, our people. So um, in this pillar, we're really focused on delivering this digital platform ecosystem. I know these are a lot of words that are probably overused, but we put data at the center and think that's hugely important. I'll talk to you a little bit about that coming up. And then uh, connectivity all around. So data at the center and connectivity all around. Um, and I've told you that technology is not the domain of the traditional IT organization solely anymore. Um, but I do believe IT plays a critical role in ensuring that technology is done right, you know, secure and private, but also in uh, ensuring that it's leveraged and optimized, right, across the enterprise. Um, so we broker, we integrate, we consult um, in ways to drive value and enable innovation. Um, so we have this North Star architecture. And I told you data platform is at the center, but it's surrounded by four interconnected platforms. And I'll talk, if, if you're, indulge me, I'd love to tell you all about the North Star. Please do. So the, the data platform is positioned at the core because I think we all know data, analytics, insights, and AI are hugely important for the future. And, and we believe that also. So here we're focused on enterprise data management, which is um, easier said than done, which I'm sure many of the folks if, in the technology world that are listening to me would, would, would agree. Um, and then we're also building out a technology platform, which is the um, you know, single source of truth for our company. It's um, based on a persona, your persona and your security profile, you get, get access. Um, so we built it on AWS and we've brought in what we think of as innovative analysis tools, such as Alteryx and Cievo. We've got all the reporting suite that, that many um, organizations have, but these are some that have been able to allow us to give our businesses um, insights in real time to, so that they can generate value. So that's innovation number one. Now there's these interconnected platforms. Um, there's this enterprise core, and that's our vitally important systems of record. No IT organization can get away from those. It's your, your ERPs and um, while maybe not the sexiest stuff, um, we are continuing to rationalize a, a, a pretty fragmented ERP base, and we're moving um, our company to SAP's S4 HANA. So there's innovation going on there, as well as maturing our supply chain processes, and we're also putting in Workday for HR. So those are some innovations in that um, traditional enterprise core area. Um, we also have a connected things platform as well, which is where Things like our machines and robots in, in the factories um, live in those platforms, but we're also putting sensors in our products. And so that's another area that has to be connected to the whole with you know, data at the center. Um, I've given you two now. So there's data, there's enterprise core, there's um, connected things. Oh, 
Next one, hugely important, customer engagement platform. Um, these systems are the ways we engage with our customers and end users um, for things like marketing, sales, service, and support. And then, of course, the all-important e-commerce, as we've all been home with COVID-19 and watched e-commerce sales um, skyrocket, no different for us. Um, so these platforms are taking on more and more um, importance. We've left a place in our North Star for external platforms because we do see ourselves um, integrating with our customers and partners and their systems and their, their platforms over time to bring this, this whole thing together. Um, the, I've talked about connection also, and while it's not a platform in and of itself, it is the thing that integrates all of these um, um, platforms in the ecosystem. And we recently launched, in fact, this year, a cloud-based integration platform um, on Azure um, that enables an API and microservices approach to the way all of these orbs kind of come together to deliver that data at the center for value. Mm -hmm. uh, so we think it's a very comprehensive approach. It's a journey, and we're certainly not at that, that in-state destination, but we're all about delivering um, innovation for the company and believe that this is a, a strong vehicle to get us there. That's great. I, I'd love to. I'd love to connect a few dots from across the conversation. You mentioned earlier that uh, you're equipping the business with all things digital, data, and collaboration, and certainly hearing some of the implications of that uh, in this response as well. You also referenced, of course, that we're still in the throes of the pandemic, and um, still many of us quarantined. Uh, and I, I wonder, you know, as I think about the sanctity of digital data and collaboration, those become that much more important during these times. And, and I wonder if you could just go a little, uh, maybe a la layer deeper uh, than your, your description a moment ago as to the application of those in light of the current circumstances. Yeah. So what I would say is this North Star architecture and vision um, was well underway before the pandemic. Um, and our progress there positioned us pretty well. And I, I can give you some, some technologies that I didn't mention, um, but we had implemented some major building blocks, some things like SD-WAN, um, so that when the move to the internet-based things like Zoom skyrocketed, our network was ready to perform. And we had gotten that done probably a year, um, maybe a little less ahead of, of that happening, and it really paid dividends. Um, we'd also modern, modernized and, and kind of standardized our telephony infrastructure globally. I mean, how exciting is telephony? Um, excuse me for the, for the folks in my organization that work hard on that. This also, when you think about it, we needed people to be safely and uh, you know, call center operators, for example, to be able to work remotely. And having that standardization done um, and the modernization allowed us to, to, to let them go home and safely work. Um, we'd also implemented um, um, auto VPN and had started building out massive VDI. Um, and we were building out the VDI mostly for M&A, for um, facilitating a, a more seamless integration process. But man, did those foundational things really prepare us well when the, when the crisis hit. And I'm sure you can resonate that the first few months we found that, um, you know, the four things were important. Um, I need to be able to work from anywhere as an employee. Um, I need to service our customers from anywhere. That was important. And then we had to ensure that, um, you know, the safety and security of our employees. If you think about Stanley Black & Decker, we're about 60,000 employees. 30,000 of those are essential workers in our, in our factories and field service organizations, um, you know, installing security systems that protect health, life, and safety as an example. 
Um, and I'd say the fourth thing that was hugely important because we were analyzing everything to make sure we were investing in the right places and that we were um, at the right cost profile. And so this TBM investment that we had made and, and had underway really allowed us to put the right information on technology investments in the fingertips of um, all of our decision makers to really rapidly um, kind of uh, iterate on some of those things. Um, I, and I don't know about you, I, I liken it to um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I know I've heard some people refer to it, but we were really focused on the basics right there in the, in the first months or so, um, akin to food, shelter, and safety. People weren't coming to me and talking about what I would call self-actualization things where they wanted this, this latest AI tool or could you help me with um, some data acquisition? They really just wanted to be able to collaborate and have their email and their phones and all of those things safely and securely working. So it was a, a really interesting time. We've since moved back up on the, the, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs and got a few more people focused on self-actualization than just food, water, and, and shelter, I'm happy to say. <laughs> That's great. I also wanted to mention, Rhonda, you are a board-level chief information officer. You serve on the board of directors of Flowers Foods, a nearly $4 billion uh, food organization. Um, and uh, among other organizations that you're affiliated with at the board level. And I wonder, you know, this is a, uh, a goal that so many of your peers as chief information officers have to join boards. And thankfully, it's a growing club, so to say, uh, of your peers, though still a fairly exclusive one. I wonder if you have any advice for others um, who might wish to walk in your footsteps as to the right pathway in order to gain that, uh, that admission to the club, so to say. Yeah. And, you know, I will say it was it was not something that I had architected. And, you know, this is the board I want to be on. And I and went for it. My pathway really was through through a network um, and not a network that I had initially thought was my pathway to a board. But in this case, a Stanley Black and Decker board member um, whom I interacted with in audit committees and, and other things um, was also on the Flowers Foods Board. Um, and um and he introduced me to the chairman and CEO at, at Flowers, and that's how it all began. And I say that's how it all began because um, it's a much different process, at least it was for me, than a typical recruiting for an open position in your organization. Hmm. Um, you know, most well-managed boards um, take board succession seriously, and they're um, cultivating a pipeline. Um, of candidates well in advance of the need. And so in my case, I was in communications with the CEO and members of his team for well over a year, closer to two years, I believe, before I was actually asked to join the board. And as some of the existing board members were, were leaving due to age or, or, or other commitments. So it's a much longer process than one might expect. But I think it's also an important process because as I reflect on it now, it's very important that you have this strong rapport um, with the leadership of the company um, because you, you want to make sure you can make a difference and add value uh, and feel comfortable doing so with those board members and not just be a, you know, a seat at the table and, and tick the box. So I thought that that was very important. If I think about other advice, um, for me, it was that network. I mean, value your networks. You never know when the opportunity is going to meet with the occasion. Um, I would have never predicted that this particular network member would have been my path into a board. And I think it probably happens that way for many people. Um, also important for me was the minute that the conversation started was to have my CEO and leadership team um, support. Board work is a, um, 
is an investment of your time, but it's also a great investment in your development. And my leadership team valued that. And uh, my CEO is fully supportive. However, he does say only one board, Rhonda. Um, I've seen the stats and I think I'm going to try and recall them here, but I think it's like 250 to 300 hours a year that you will spend um, if, on board work. Hmm. And depending on which committee you're on, which I'm on audit and finance. So those are the higher intensity um, investment. So it's time consuming. And I don't think that you would want to do more than one public company board while you're employed in, in the C-suite of your existing company. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those are some things I think of that um, describe my path. That's a, a sound advice. Appreciate you sharing that. I wanted to um, conclude with a question about trends looking forward. You've mentioned a number of uh, trends that you're uh, enacting re- related to those topics of digital data collaboration, among other uh, tool sets that you've incorporated into uh, your ecosystem and so forth. As you look to the future, what are some additional trends that are exciting you and your team uh, that you're beginning to investigate or invest in as the case may be? Yeah, so we're, you know, I, I don't think we've really explored all the value yet of, of the data that we have in our environment, mm-hmm. which is why that data at the core for our North Star is so important. We're amping up our efforts around machine learning and AI, and I think the, that there's a, a, a lot that, that's yet to come there. Uh, I'll just tell you, too, personally, I am so optimistic about the future and what technology can do with everything being digital. Um, I have an aging parent, um, and it makes me think about the importance of things like telemedicine, um, ride sharing. I mean, you know, our self-driving even better. I'm going to just walk out and, and not need to have a, the driver's license when I'm 85 and shouldn't be on the roads. Um, but just the human productivity um, throughout our, our lifespan is, is just something that I'm fascinated by and optimistic in. I think there's a lot yet to come. We like to say at Stanley Black & Decker that our best years are ahead of us. And um, no matter how successful we are, we're very humble about the future. And um, I am just super stoked about the future as well. Excellent. Well, that certainly comes across. Rhonda Gass, thank you so much for a great set of insights that you've shared across this interview on a variety of topics that reflect where your business is and where it's going, in addition to where your career has been and where it's going. It's been a great conversation. Thank you. It's a lot of fun. Thanks for tuning in. And please join me on Friday when my guest will be Hervé Couray, the Chief Governance Officer and Secretary General at Schneider Electric.